Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to bring the message basically from verse 19 and verse 20. Ephesians 2, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation. Now there's just one foundation. There's just one way of salvation. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And that one foundation is that foundation that God has laid. He said the other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ Himself. You see that statement? Jesus Christ Himself being the cornerstone. The chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd. He is the chief Lord, God our Savior. The chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ Himself. I want you to think about those three words. The Lord Jesus. He's our Savior. He's the Christ of God. That means He's the anointed Messiah, Son of God. And with Himself, by Himself, He accomplished all of our salvation. Himself. Himself. Because of the glorious priestly work of the Lord Jesus Christ, His perfect righteousness and obedient life, He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And because of His perfect righteous sacrifice unto God, whereby He put away our sin, believers are reconciled unto God in one glorious body, having free access, free admission unto the Father with liberty and boldness because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man come to the Father but by and through me. He says in verse 16, he reconciled us unto God in one body by the cross. He says over here in verse 13, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ, for He is our peace. He made peace with God for us with His own blood because of everything He had done for us. It says in verse 18, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, you see verse 19, now therefore you are no more strangers, foreigners, fellow citizens, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. You remember what he described us as before? Look back at verse 11. Ephesians 2 verse 11. Wherefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcision, that is the ungodly, the unrighteous, the unworthy, the uncrowd, by that which is uh, in the flesh, you are called uncircumcision. By that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope without God in this world. Born into this world. Strangers, aliens. Without God, without hope and without Christ. Now, therefore, verse 19, now, therefore, you're no more strangers. No more strangers based upon what? Based upon His atoning work, 
His redeeming blood, His justifying grace. Now therefore you are no more strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens. Now what good news? The holy law of God being honored in precept and penalty, believers are no more the aliens, the strangers, without Christ, without hope, without God, but are made nigh unto the Father by the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. No longer are we alienated. He says there we are fellow citizens. Fellow citizens with the saints. He's made us fellow heirs. You remember chapter 3, Ephesians 3 verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, the same promise, the same gospel, the same hope. And partakers, we are partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. Fellowship of the saints with the saints. Fellowship, notice, fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Having this blessed fellowship around the gospel of God's glorious grace, the good news of forgiveness and pardon we have in Christ. We are now in Him new creatures. He's made us by His grace saints of God. Every believer is a saint, no more a stranger, but a saint of God. A saint of God, made so by His grace. Set apart by divine election, set apart by divine election, and by divine calling. He called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. No longer are we strangers and foreigners, but we're saints and we're fellow citizens in this kingdom of God. What good news. What good news. And then he says, we're of the household. We're of the household of God. The whole what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. By his glorious adoption of love and his grace. He adopted us into the family by regenerating grace and glorious new birth. We've been born into this family of God. Not by the will of flesh, not by the will of man, but we've been born of God into this family. Of His own will beget He us with the word of truth. Believers in this household of God share in the fullness of His grace. They are richly clothed and eternally blessed. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and in Christ we stand complete. Believers in this household, they're all sons of God, equally loved, equally blessed in Christ Jesus. They're one with Him. They have plenteous provisions of mercy. He supplies all our need according to His riches and glory. We've been made heirs of an ever-fading inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved for you in heaven. We've been made heirs of God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it. Look what He's done for us. No more strangers, no more foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Look at verse 20. And built upon, we're built upon the foundation. Neither is there salvation in any other, no other name under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved built upon the foundation. The foundation of the apostles, what did they preach? The apostles, Peter, John, James, all of them, they preached what? Jesus Christ is everything. Christ is all and in all. 
And the prophets, to him give all the prophets witness. They all speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself, he is the only foundation. Remember Isaiah said, it's recorded in Isaiah 28, Behold, I lay in Zion for foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. He that believeth on that foundation will never be forced out, never be confounded, never be ashamed. Jesus Christ himself. He's everything in salvation. He is the Savior. He is our salvation. Now, I want to take that statement there, those three words, Jesus Christ himself, and point out to you in the Scripture five things concerning Jesus Christ himself. First point is this. Jesus Christ himself is the theme of all the Scriptures. Jesus Christ himself is the theme of all the Scriptures. Now, I would encourage you to turn with me, and I'll try to give you time. Luke 24, the risen Lord was approached two men one day. And uh, Luke 24, verse 25, He said unto them, O fool, slow of heart, Luke 24, 25, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses, where is that? Genesis. And all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the thing concerning what? Himself. This whole book is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And again over in Luke 24 verse 44, he said, this is the risen Lord giving his departing words before he ascended in glory. These are the words which I spake with you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning what? Concerning Christ. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the theme of this book, he must be the subject of all of our preaching. Paul said, we don't preach ourselves, we preach the Lord Jesus Christ. One preacher of the past said this, a sermon without Christ is a mistake in the conception and a crime in being preached. It is of no eternal value. So we preach not ourselves, but we preach Him. I'm determined not to know anything among you as far as pardon and justification, but Jesus Christ and Him crucified as all our hope. A sermon without the Lord Jesus Christ is a well without water, a stove with no fire, a cupboard with no bread, and a house with no roof. Won't do you any good. Won't help you. I must preach the Word. That's what we're commanded to preach. Preach the Word. Preach Christ. So, Jesus Christ Himself is the theme of all Scripture. Number two is this. Jesus Christ Himself is all our redemption. Now, if you turn just a couple pages back to Galatians, to the book of Galatians we studied this morning. Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 20. Jesus Christ Himself is all our redemption. All of it. He's not part of it. He didn't pay part of the price. God said, I found a ransom. And when He found that ransom, He set us free. Notice, if you will, Galatians 2, verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave, what did he give? What did he give? He gave himself for me. Therefore, he said, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If you look at Ephesians, back to Ephesians, and find chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is all of our redemption. He's all of our deliverance. Remember Ephesians 1, let me read this to you, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Now, I told you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, didn't I? Okay, look at verse uh, 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself. What did he give? Now, he could have given a lot. He didn't bring the sacrifice like the Old Testament priest of of, uh, sheep or goats. He brought his own blood. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it. He obtained for us eternal redemption with his own blood, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The Lord Jesus Christ, by himself, with himself, we read in Ephesians, or rather, Hebrews chapter 1, remember, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sin, he sat down on the right hand of God. Hebrews 9.26 says, once he appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice, by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus Christ himself is all of our redemption. We are redeemed not with corruptible things, Peter said, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John says the same thing. Peter, James, and John, and Paul, they all had the same message. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all our sins. How is sin put away? Pretty difficult to put away. The blood that flowed on Jewish altar for all those thousands of years, those animal sacrifices, never put away one sin. It pictured the way of substitution. The Lord Jesus Christ took our sin, the sin of God's people, laid upon Him. God made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's my third point. Jesus Christ Himself is all our righteousness before men and before God. Jesus Christ Himself. Now let me remind you of my favorite scripture found in the book of Philippians. Turn over there chapter 3. We're no longer going about to establish a righteousness of our own, are we? We're We're not ignorant of God's righteousness that He's provided in the gospel. Therefore, we're no longer going about to establish a righteousness by what we do. Some people say, well, I don't go here, I don't do this, I don't do that. And they somehow, they've got conjured up in their mind that their morality is their righteousness before God. Now, I'm all in on morality, but your morality is not righteousness, not before God. Now, look over here in Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, 
talks about his experience, how God taught him that self-righteousness is nothing but filthy rag. Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So believers need a perfect justifying righteousness. No doubt about that. How righteous must I be to stand before God justified? As righteous as God. How can that be? Let me show you. You want to know how? This, this, is, this is good. I love this. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Believers are no longer going about to establish a righteousness about their own doing, but rather resting in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. Romans chapter 4. For what saith the Scripture, verse 3? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, now get a hold of this, him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, to whom God imputeth righteousness without works. How does a believer become righteous? God reckons to us. That word imputed means reckoned and counted. God counts us righteous in Christ. He's called in Scripture in Jeremiah 23, verse 5 or verse 6, He's called the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. And then later on over in Jeremiah 33, I believe it is, the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is called the Lord our righteousness. That's our name. We're married to Him. He's our husband because we are righteous, but He is righteous and we're in Him. What are we? In Christ. Accepted in the Beloved. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself is all our redemption. We're redeemed with His precious blood. He is all our righteousness before God Almighty. Now, if you have Him, you have everything. Of His fullness, in Him, all the fullness of grace and truth, and of His fullness, have we all received grace upon grace. Here's the fourth thing. Jesus Christ Himself is the only object of saving faith. Now, saving faith we say it this way. Saving faith is not subjective. Now, saving faith doesn't look in here. Saving faith doesn't look to feelings or emotions. Saving faith is objective. Looking and coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. So we say, our Lord says this in, in Isaiah 45. You know what He says? He said, I'm the only just God and Savior. Isaiah 45, remember? And then he says, and he says, look. Look unto me. <laughs> don't, don't look at your mom or your dad, your brother, your sister. Don't look at your preacher. I can't help you. Look to him. 
He said, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. I am God and there is no other. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. What is the sin that does so easily beset us? Unbelief. Let us run with race. Let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Look at verse 2. Looking. Looking. Looking where? Looking to whom? Remember what Paul said, I know whom I have believed. Looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. We look to the exalted, victorious, successful Lord Jesus Christ. In him we have the victory over sin, death, and hell and the grave. Saving faith, the faith of God's elect, is always looking to, believing, and coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to one other scripture on that. Find 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 2. 1 Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. If so, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom? Coming. Now see that? It's looking. It's coming. It's believing. It's repenting. To whom coming as into a living stone. That's that foundation. It's a living stone. Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it's contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. So what is the object of saving faith? The Lord Jesus Christ. The exalted, victorious Lord Jesus Christ. Not the defeated, frustrated reformer, but the exalted, glorified, enthroned, sovereign Lord Jesus Christ who accomplished all salvation for us. Saving faith looks to Him. Him alone. To whom coming? Now, here's the last thing. Jesus Christ Himself is the only source of true joy, true comfort, hope, and peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He came and preached peace to you. For He is our peace. He made peace. Peace for us with His own blood. Now here's the scripture I want you to turn to. Find uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself. He is our peace. He is our comfort. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. He is our peace. He is our comfort. He is our hope. He's all of our salvation. Look at verse 16. Well, let's go back to verse 13. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, 
beloved of the Lord, because the Lord hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. That's the work of regeneration. And belief of the truth. The work of conviction leads to faith in Christ. Belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold to the truth. That word tradition is truth, which you've been taught, whether by word or by epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, there's the word, Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, who had loved us, he loved us. How long has he loved us? He loved us with an everlasting love. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, God hath from the beginning chosen you. Unto God, who had loved us, we read in Revelation 1, He loved us and washed us from our sin in His own blood. Jesus Christ Himself gave Himself for our sin. He loved us here in His love, not that we loved Him, but that He loved us. And He gave Himself a sacrifice for our sin and hath given us an everlasting consolation and a good hope. You see that? A good hope through, through what? Grace. <laughs> It all gets back to grace. I love what Paul in prison when he writes to young Timothy. Paul sitting on death row waiting to be executed for the gospel. And he writes to Timothy, he said, don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's God who saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our work, but according to his own purpose and grace given us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So we have a good hope. Our hope is a person. Our hope is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. He is our hope. The Lord Jesus Christ, He is our hope. Can I show you that? Look right across the page in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Right across the page. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. You see that? He's our hope. It's not a hope and a hope and a hope. Faith is not in faith. Hope is not in a hope. Hope and faith are in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? Jesus Christ Himself is all our salvation. Look back to the text now. Being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth. We grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together. We're banned together, built together in one body, by one spirit, by one Lord, for habitation of God. God dwells in His people. He dwells in the hearts of His people. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus Christ Himself. What do you think? What do you know? Can you say, He's all my salvation? Jesus Christ Himself. Now, Himself alone. Faith alone. Grace alone. Christ alone. That's all our hope. 